We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Back steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, my co-host, my partner in crime, Michael Stewart, that former Los Angeles Rams defensive back who played for both teams that took the field today. But yet only one one, and it wasn't our guys. It was not our right. team. Miami Dolphins beat the Rams State 28-17. You wouldn't know it if you read the stat line. But 
I mean, it's it's a devastating loss in, in a lot of respects, but the Rams still going to break five and three. I mean, that that multiply it out, you know, halfway through you ten and six. I think we'd all take that, but the way the Rams have looked at times this year, you got to wonder. You got to wonder what their what their path looks like going on for the rest of the season. Mike, how you doing? And how you feeling at that loss? Hey, uh, personally doing well. Uh, just adjusting to the nice change of weather here in old California. Eh? Uh, getting a little chilly at night and in the morning. That's been great. So we can say fall and the beginning of winter is on the horizon. As far as today's game, I'm sure we're going to talk about a few things. But I am just so... I'm just kind of a little bit of a loss of words. You know, we watched uh, the Rams, but I totally agree. Five and three. I mean, we said before the, the, the year, it may not even look that well. And to be five and three means you're sitting in a good spot to try to now have this second half run. So all those things absolutely are great. Uh, but again, you get a little greedy. You get a little have a little personal investment into wanting to see your team do well on a more consistent basis. And that's what I think is the frustrating thing. We see when we do certain things, absolutely look like we're unstoppable. And then when we don't, we just look like we're just some ragtag team out there trying to impersonate an L.A. Rams NFL football team. So it's some interesting days. Interesting day. I think, I mean, we had... Texted a little bit early, you know, halftime, and I was thinking, man, I'm not sure I can do a podcast right now because I was, I was fired up. I was fired up for many reasons, but if I'm almost honest, if I'm almost, I guess I, I guess I'll be honest. I, I hate, <laughs> I hate having to say that you were right. And what I'm talking about is early on, very early when we previewed the season, I saw this game. And I had it marked as a W. I thought for sure they'd go down there. This is a team they're much more talented than even, even where, you know, the Rams are young themselves. I thought that it wouldn't be a problem. It might even be a break. You pointed out you can't underestimate the humidity. You cannot underestimate even in November the Florida heat and how it is different than the California heat. I think we saw a lot of that today. I mean, I thought the Rams were hydrated fairly well, but they still, man, talk about low energy in the first half, especially yes. especially in key places. Their heads just didn't seem to be there. And there's a second part of that, too, is this is the Rams' what, fourth trip east yes. this season, and it comes. this one comes after a Monday night one, a pretty – Tough, physical, emo- emotional Monday night win. And that tends to play a role. So already, some of the things you talked about, okay, you were right. And I instantly want to make excuses. But then you got to think, well, Mike, that you remember because you were a pro. You were paid to perform. You're paid to go out there and give your best lead on the field regardless of the other human factors. And watching watching the play calling the first half, watching the offensive line's pass protection, watching Jared Goff with a deer in the headlights look, 
I just can't believe that this this offense mostly the defense. We'll talk about the defense. This is a different story. This is not going to be a a negative Nancy full podcast here. There's a lot of good things to talk about. I mean, offensively, they were out to lunch. And I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, I mean, you hit on some great points in that they have this bi-coastal games, uh, number of games early on in the year and how that could affect and even, you know, going up to Frisco uh, again, playing a physical game. And I'm like, well, you know, it's on the same coast. It's just our trip. But, yeah, obviously, if you look at the game today, it kind of caught up to them because you can look at body language. And I just don't know how many times. I mean, little things. Uh, I saw we tried to win another receiver screen. Whitworth was supposed to get out there blocking. He just kind of runs out there. doesn't really block anyone. The receiver tried to make a move. And I'm like, okay, man, if you're you're knowing you have to have it, it would be a little bit more urgency. Gerald Everett down the stretch uh, before the new field goal kicker, he's probably going to be gone, misses a field goal. He has a chance to make a big catch on that third down has a ball in his hands, instead of catching the ball to turn and go out of bounds, he was going to try to turn back inside and try to make a hero play. And he ends up dropping the ball and getting kind of mollywopped, as we say, at the same time. And it's like, Gerald Everett, what was you thinking? Why would you turn back inside anyway when you're trying to save time on the clock? So I'm looking at things like that from a just a strategic professional player standpoint. And you're just seeing guys do stuff to try to make the home run as though they'll never get the ball thrown to them again. So, and then it's just, it's just other things. So I'm sure we'll get into it again. It's not, I'm just a little, you know, with coach McVay, I, I mean, again, I'm not there in the game plan, but it's just some common sense things it doesn't seem like that they're doing, he's doing, the structure of the offense is doing. And then we saw them start hitting a good run midway through the third, first part of the fourth. And it's like, okay, now that's kind of calling a decent game. But before that, it's just like, what are we doing? I mean, what are they doing? Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, what do you think? I I look at uh, Malcolm Brown. And I go, Malcolm Brown is going to get you four to six yards every time. If he gets hit, he's going to carry a few people with him. Mm-hmm. The other backs, not so much. Definitely not Cam Akers. So when you have Cam Akers towards the end of the game, you're now going to try to establish the run game with him running between the tackles. It's like, okay, why are we doing that with him and not Malcolm Brown, who actually can do it and was doing it? We had a play, second quarter. He runs off, I think, 11 yards. The next two plays were pass plays, and I'm going, and then we end up punting, three and out. And I go, okay, wait a minute. 12 yards almost on the first carry, first down. Then we turn around and throw it twice. It didn't mess up on the third down, and we punt. Okay, that didn't make sense. So then you get to the end of the game when you need to have a heavy hitter in there. We got Cam in there trying to run between the tackles. And then we saw what he could do when he catches the ball in space and make three guys look like they never played football in their life. That's what we need with him. 
So just some of the things like that and the dynamics of when you're having certain guys doing certain things, it just seems like, all right, man, you're in. We got analytics. Uh, analytics says, Malcolm Brown, you're out. Daryl, you're in. And it's like, okay, but the game is saying something else. So very interesting to watch and see kind of those types of things uh, go on at this level with what is a guy, Coach McVay, has got a good reputation of being a good game caller. So I just, I, well, he does, but I think he has an Achilles heel. When, when he's, it, it seems so simple. I mentioned it to some buddies. When the offensive line holds up, he adjusts very well. When the offensive line struggles, he can't adjust. He's hamstrung by his own offensive line. It's not even, it's not even Goff. And Goff deserves a ton of criticism from this game. But if we're talking about play calling alone, it just seems like whenever the offensive line is struggling, he doesn't know what to do to help his offensive line. But to me, the answer was so obvious just from the football. They're doing right. fine. They're, they're, they're run blocking just fine. Right. But instead, right. you're they're, ha- they're having some issues with pass rush. Okay, so... It's 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 getting Jared Goff freaked out. Jared Goff right. is not holding up under that, and that and anyway, we're talking about you and I. We're talking before this podcast about the need to toughen up, and our generation overall needs to yes. toughen up some. Jared Goff needs to toughen up. I'm not saying he's that he doesn't have toughness. He's shown many times that he's taken some hits. I'm talking about mentally when in these situations he needs to toughen up. He's got to think through this. Think through this. Okay, some of these. Plays he made today, and he should have made. I mean, my gosh, he had through two interceptions. Probably should have had a couple more. You know, he's got to recognize the blitzes. He cannot get so jerked out of his mind that he can't see a pass rush. This is your. This is what year five, twenty six, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. He's in his fifth season in the NFL. He is either going to make it or not. When it's the season five, at this point. The game should be slow enough for you to see it. So why aren't you seeing it? Yeah, and it, and it goes back to, again, my mulligan theory. I think everyone is, yeah, we want to go to the Super Bowl, but then at the same time, look at the Patriots. Okay, yeah, we got new this, we got new that, we got new guys. We two and five. Uh, is that means Belichick don't know how to coach? Does that mean the players they have are not good? No. Same with us. Does that mean we have consistency, same old coordinator being Coach McVay, and pretty much that thing is the same. Same quarterback, a lot of the same guys. But something doesn't seem to be connecting because if you have a team that the Dolphins obviously said, hey, we're bringing pressure. Okay, they're going to be bringing pressure. That now tells receivers Old coordinator, Coach McVay, Jared Goff, everybody else. Hey, man, we got to run hot routes. Because typically, if they're bringing that much pressure, they're going to basically leave a man open. That's the guy we got to hit. We don't need a bomb. We don't need anything. Just hit him in the open space, let him go run, get the yardage. But it just seemed like overall, uh, the receivers and uh, Jared weren't in sync with 
hey, man, I'm going to break a route off. I'm going to hit this open spot. And the bliss was just getting home like nobody's business. I mean, I'm like, Brian, there's a coach in his tail. But again, he was the D coordinator when they beat us in the Super Bowl. So maybe he has Coach McVay's number. Maybe it's a mind game. He's playing with him. Like, yeah, I got you, Sean. You're not going to beat me, and now it's personal. So, yeah, I'm over here with the Dolphins, but I'm the same guy. So it, it was good to kind of look at it from a standpoint of, quote-unquote, younger coaches, somewhat early in their career, head coaches, uh, kind of go at it strategy-wise, uh, strategically, who's going to get after who and who's going to dial up something. Uh, but it just was – a little mind-boggling the amount of turnovers and we'll hit these stats to see okay we had it this much time we gained this many yards but what we lost 28 to 17 hmm interesting well i mean let's go ahead and let's let's break it down i mean let's go ahead and load these numbers here and see exactly what story is told and i think if you just look at the numbers alone you're going to be like, uh, what? How'd they lose this? 340 passing yards for the Rams, 90 for the Dolphins. 131 rushing yards, 55 for the Dolphins. So, again, 145 total yards from the Dolphins, 471 from the Rams. Rams with 36 minutes and 29 seconds of time possession, 23-31 for the Dolphins. Four turnovers, though, lost by the Rams. Four. Two for the Dolphins. So a minus two stinks, but it's usually not backbreaking if you play well enough. I mean, usually not backbreaking. Third down percentage, Rams 41.18% third down success rate. Jared Goff was, here we go, ready? 35 of 61. 61 for 355, a touchdown, two interceptions. Daryl Henderson. Eight carries, 47 yards. Malcolm Brown, 10 carries, 40 yards. Cam Akers, 9 carries, 35 yards. Each of them had a long of double digits. 18 for Henderson, 11 for Brown, 10 for Akers. Robert Woods, 2 carries for 9 yards and touchdown. Cooper Cup, 11 catches for 110 yards. One thing I noted with him, just the first quarter alone, he had been targeted 7 times. In the first quarter. Yeah. Robert Woods, 7 for 85. Josh Reynolds, 4 for 44. Reynolds, Jared, Everett, Jared Everett, 5 for 32. He had a couple of crucial drops today. Van Hint, Jefferson, 2 for 23. I mean, yeah, go down the line. Higby played. I mean, a lot, a lot of people caught football today for the Rams. On the Dolphins' side, 12 for 22 for Tua out there for 93 yards. Gaskin, 18 of 47. Breida, 4 for 13. Receivers, their top receiver, 16 yards today. <laughs> 16 yeah. yards. Right. I mean, that's that in itself is something. But two fumbles lost from Jared Goff. A punt return given up for a touchdown. A long kickoff return. Kai Forbad misses the field goal today as well. I mean... <sighs> How we even really get to that? The defense played lights out without Jalen Ramsey. And I think it's time to acknowledge something too, Mike. Staley out there is doing a heck of a job. He yeah. 
he's doing a heck of a job considering he has less talent than he had last year. True. He's got Jalen Ramsey out today. He's got pass rushers who've been out for half the year. His run stopper did not play for what? Almost half the year. Did he play today? Did Robinson play today? Ashawn? I don't think so. Uh, no. So you're talking about a defense of guys who, you know, normally aren't starting. And yet, 145 total yards today. Miami's yeah. not, they're not world beaters on offense, but it's still an NFL offense. And, and the Dolphins are four and three now. If, if we're going to be the negative Nancy's here, I want to, I want to point out that that defense today played well enough to win. They deserve to win. This is on the offense. This is on the offense 100%, completely 100%. And if I'm in, if I'm that defense in the locker room right now, I'm furious. Well, you, you, you absolutely would be furious, and they should be furious, and maybe we should be more fur- furious and, and vote some people in and vote some people out. But the bottom line is if you give up 140-something total yards, 45 to be exact, you're going to more, more than likely say we blew that other team out, you know, because, again, 90 yards passing, only 55 yards rushing, but only 90 yards passing. Longest reception was 16 yards. Long was 15. So that that's a game that you would say defensively you went in and you absolutely did your job. And the thing I love about a team sport Yes, in football, you have to win two of three phases, if not all three. You got the kicking game, the passing or offensive game, and the defensive game. Obviously, we won the defensive battle today. We did not win the turnover battle, and not so much that the turnovers are turnovers, but when turnovers end up in real points, that's where the dilemma is. And so... Yeah, the defense came, you know, got after him. They were putting pressure, and they were like, oh, well, it's two as a rookie. Well, I would have took it personally. Oh, really? You guys going to start the rookie against us? You ain't giving us no respect then. Well, guess what? Let's break him in. Let him know this is not Alabama where you get to beat up on everybody because you got all these monsters. Mm -hmm. No, this is the NFL. Let's see what you got. But they kind of kept it pretty easy for him just a little quick passing game stuff and nothing difficult which is interesting because it's like yes the the Dolphins won but man I just don't know how their team chemistry is going to be down the stress because guys out there they actually know if Tua actually should be playing or shouldn't be but back to my vaunted Rams uh yeah, it's just a little discouraging to see when I look at, again, you look at the receiving, right? And you go, Cooper Cuff, okay, ended up with a nice thing. But like you said, seven uh, attempts just early on in the game, ends up with 11 uh, catches. Robert Woods ends up with seven. His came late in the game. Uh, in my personal opinion, Van Jefferson is pretty much the only guy who can get a dude to turn his hips. He made a good play on a third down. Guy was pressing him, outside released him, got him upfield, broke it off on the out, got hit right there, boom, easy catch. Easy pitch and catch, as we say. 
So it's like, okay, if this guy is a guy who actually could be that deep threat to get people to open up and turn, is it the fact that we paid other guys that were just kind of forcing it in there? I don't know. But then you only see Hig, Higby get like two receptions. And again, those are kind of late too. It's like, well, wait a minute. This dude was a star of the game a few weeks back. And then now he's way buried, like no no attempts to him. Like, So these are the kind of things I have questions of. You know, you can say, well, the game didn't dictate we do this. Well, no, the game still dictates that you run an office that actually picks up first downs, moves the ball, and puts the ball in the end zone. So it just seems like week to week, and I guess maybe you want everybody to be involved, but the people that do it consistently, you know, you play Phoenix, you better stop their receiver. And you better stop their quarterback. Phoenix, I keep saying that. Arizona Cardinals. Uh, if you play Seattle, yeah, you better stop Russell Wilson. And you better stop that guy named DK Metcalf. But you look at us and go, well, who should we have to stop? Well, we don't really have to stop anyone. So, I mean, we need to develop that one-two punch and say, hey, guys, yeah, we want to spread the ball around but let's go with the guy who or guys who can actually help us win consistently. So that's why this whole running back by committee thing, because you have different backs with different styles. So you can't say offense is running this style of offense, but the back doesn't fit that style for that game or that, that section of plays or series of plays. Cam Akers, again, he's a more off-tackle, get him in open space, hit him on some checkdowns. Malcolm Brown, he's going to run over you and through you. Daryl Henderson, he's a combo. But because they do different styles and different things, you can't get that consistency, oh, we're going to pound it down your throat, but we're putting Cam Akers in. That's not going to be a long-term success because he again he's not going to dip his shoulder and mm-hmm. and run anyone over he's just he doesn't have the physical size to do that you know and, so and, and you look at the limitations of what's going on and i i want to just throw this out there for i'll forget otherwise um a couple quotes here just from the presser and it wasn't a very long presser like five minutes from sean mcveigh but sean mcveigh today says at the presser I just had it here. There it goes. Our execution has to be better. I have to coach better. I have to put our players in better positions, and that's the bottom line. Oh, well, okay, hold on a minute. <laughs> this is what I was harping on last week. It's the same thing every time. Has to be better. I have to coach better. I have to put her. Well, no fake, Jake. So why aren't you doing it? It's the same problem. And that's right. what I, 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 I've been praising this for a long time. Like you, I've been praising it for a long time because he, he is. I mean, McVeigh is not the obviously not a perfect coach. He's a very good coach who has, I like I said, kill his heels, and it's the same Achilles heel. It's the same. The same tendency just to throw away 
the running game or and make his team one-dimensional. That's what happened. Miami came out there today following the old plan. We're going to just send people after Goff. We're going to get him. Okay? Right. I mean, another quote here from Rodriguez's um, timeline here, Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic, quoting Michael Brockers, pertaining to the Dolphins' pressure. They just brought as many as they could. They brought more than we could block. That's how it felt. Like they had 11 guys in the line of scrimmage. We had all that before where a team just zero pressures you every play. It was tough. So they're going after him and going after him and going after him. Well, teams, to me, feel confident going to the line like this if, A, they're pretty sure the quarterback's going to panic. B, the offensive line's not going to be able to block it. C, if you have no deep game. You're not going to get burned. And so I just... The Rams' limitations in this game hurt them. I I can't say this enough. And, and geez, my gosh. McVay played right into it, Mike. The way to get them was to run the football at them. So they got down 21-7. You're not out of the game yet. We've seen the Rams come back from that before. So what do you do? You throw it a whole bunch more. When you got... Daryl Henderson... Daryl Henderson is a very good back. Better than we thought he was. And he's not getting the football. Yeah, there's just, it's just, again, there's something that doesn't make sense. And so, again, this is going to be a uh, a, a theory of mine, right? Uh, But it almost seems like there must be some type of escalator clause or something that they would they owe him a million dollars if he gets a certain amount of reps or touches because it, it just doesn't make sense if a guy is doing it like why aren't we sticking with that I guess that's the, the biggest thing when I'm looking at the game again I'm using my own self uh, as now a head football coach what do I do in those situations? What would I want to do in those situations? So just from those standpoints, I go, okay, this doesn't really make sense to me when we know if you throw the ball, it can be intercepted. And if we're throwing the ball on a day like today, when it seems like that defense is getting a lot of pressure. So you know what? We're going to neutralize that. Let's wear you down a little bit. That's like football one-on-one. Give the ball to the running back and let the lineman pound on somebody. And then maybe we go back to a little bit of play action once we actually establish a real running game. But you can see at the times when we made a concerted effort to actually run the ball, we kind of moved the ball at will. But then we would immediately go back to your theory of this Achilles heel situation. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Why do we do that? I don't know. I'm trying to understand when you can eat clock, you can score points, and you can wear a defense down, and now you get them playing like, oh, man, we can't stop them. Now you have something. But the way we did it, we kind of let their defense regroup, even down at the end. On that Robert Woods touchdown, it was two plays. We're sitting there on the five-yard line, Right, and we have uh, 
and maybe I'm th thinking before the half, I'm thinking before the half, you know, we're sitting there and we end up don't get any real points. We get a, a three points, but we literally could have ran the ball with a timeout. And I go, okay, this doesn't make sense. We called a timeout because we saw what defense they were in. And it's like, okay, well, we're in a bunch set. We're ready to go. Well, it don't matter what they're in now. Why would we waste that timeout? Waste the timeout. And then we're trying to do some stuff. And then we just end up, you know, getting a field goal. So it's stuff like that to go, okay, if we got a timeout, minute 32 left in the game. If you run the ball and get stopped, you can easily call a timeout. Why we waste the timeout when we didn't need to? It just just doesn't make sense, man. Just doesn't make sense. If the play calling doesn't make sense, even when you've seen it over and over again. You were another thing you got right, and I, like I said, I mean, I, sometimes I really hate when I gotta admit you're right. Is the play calling <laughs> being too predictable for a guy who's who's playbook yes. is, is designed for deception and who yes. we know we know we've seen it enough we know he can be very creative yes why on earth does he seem to resort to the same old same old stuff regardless <laughs> yes. like you're so you're going to run pass plays one you're passing when we're wishing you'd run the football but b if you're going to pass at least call plays or help golf get the ball out quickly Right. Why? Why no play action? Why? Why? And why not quick passes out of there? We wait until later in the game to figure out who can throw a quick pass. Are we serious? So wh why do things that to back Miami off the line of scrimmage? Uh, I don't mean to laugh and be you know funny about this to us and our audience, but exactly, Derek. You know, I don't. I mean, that just seems fundamental, right? It just seems fundamental. I don't know. It seems fundamental, but the thing is, is, is what, what drives me nuts is, at least on my end, these other guys were paid to do the job. They're paid to coach it. They're paid to, get, paid to game plan it. And someone could easily say, well, if you were so good at it, if you knew everything, you'd be out there. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe I wouldn't. But all I'm saying is, some things are just obvious. And you can put it down to the situation. You know, a person's situation changes um, when they're actually in position. Their thinking changes. I think with, with Sean McVay, I think that he is yet to stretch himself as a coach to move away from his tendencies when he's in trouble. Instead of that being the time when you actually go out there and completely shift away from what's hurting you, he tends to, in my view, get tunnel vision to where that's all he'll do. He's going to keep throwing crap at a wall and hoping it sticks. And that drives me nuts. And What's crazy is when he's in the lead, when his team's in the lead, you'll see him make much cleaner adjustments during a game. But when his team gets down... Especially in cases where there's pressure. Like the Buffalo game, they were down, but they weren't out. They they had enough in them to come to come back and and really deal with any kind of pressure Buffalo put. Miami's pressure was different. Miami's had Miami had golf under siege and had that offensive line under siege. And when that happens, for some reason, Sean McVay 
man, this sounds horrible, but he seems to shrink. He gets right. a mean, deer in the headlights look. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it goes back to the culmination of things, the combination of things you're saying when uh, if the line is maybe not doing. So the thing is, a lot of coaches, you see, they have those play cards, right? And they're flipping on both sides and they got, OK, if it's first and 10 on this side, you know, that's how they're broken down in all these different stats based off of analytics, tendencies. Hey, I played this coach before. This is what we like. This will work, blah, blah, blah. But then you have to actually get into the game. I don't necessarily like Mike Leach as just a super individual. I love how to do coaches, even though they, they're getting blown, their hat handed to him down at Mississippi State right now. But he'll get it turned around. You know, I can't speak about all the different things he does as a coach, as his players and the different places been. They speak for what he does and doesn't do, whatever. My thing is, but you look at a guy, he doesn't have one of those. He has a little, some paper that he scribbles on, and he's like, because he's like, what the game is dictating, that's how I'm going to call it. So I think that's what is a drawback for me is, okay, this is an NFL franchise. It's not some team that they barely have enough money to field a team. No, they have one of the richest owners in in our nation, at least, uh, that owns the team. And he's married to a Walton. And, you know, so combined, I'm sure they have enough to get it done. That being the case, I know we have the coaches. I know we have the technology. I know we have all these things. But what happens on game day is someone not in the booth going, hey, guys, this is what we need to run. This is what's working. This is what they're doing. Or is it like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. I know what they're doing. And I'm just going to call what I want. That's the thing that always gets me. At us at the high school level, we don't have all the extra eyes in the skies and analytics. You basically have a game plan. You only got a few days to look at it. And you're dealing with high school kids that are doing a lot of other things. So you can't, you don't get paid. This is not your job. So my thing is, for the Rams and everybody there, it's their job. They go there for eight. 10. Some get in there at 6 in the morning, don't leave till 6. 12 hours a day. Coaches there, 20 hours a day. And so when it comes to being able to make an adjustment off of the game plan that may be working or not working, that's where the great teams and organization and coaches get their money. The teams that are able to actually make adjustments and then help your team get out of a funk or hit a rhythm. But when you consistently don't seem like you can make the adjustment to get going. So that's why I was laughing earlier. You noticed right away, Derek, you mean it took us way until the end of the game to figure out, hey, man, we just need to go back to this short, quick passing game. Yeah, why would it take us five, six, seven other series to figure that out when you should have figured it out after the second turnover when your quarterback is getting knocked and he's fumbling the ball? You should figure, hey, man, this is going to be a day we need to get this ball out quick. Quick swing pass here to the running back, you know, quick slants. We're not trying to do, you know, now once we get the running game going, hey, we may be able to to do something else. So anyway, that's that's my two cents on a part of that right now. I mean, I think we've said enough. And I think as we get ready to end the show today, I do want to point out that, again, the defense was outstanding. They did things as a unit 
to give the offense every single chance in this game to be successful. And they deserve credit. The the there are, I, I feel like I'm kind of bound back to Christian because we've been getting some Christians for being negative on the show. <laughs> we have to report and discuss what we're seeing. And the team is five and three, and we're happy they're five and three. I'd rather be six, they'd be six and two or seven and one, but five and three, they're in decent position. If they if they pull things together in this bye, they'll be fine. If they can pull it together in the bye, they have a tough schedule, but it's not an impossible schedule. It's not like they're playing Pittsburgh every week. It's not like they're playing Baltimore every week. These teams that are the Chiefs every week, they're playing teams that they can beat the rest of the way out. Even the 49ers. The 49ers showed enough in that game to know the Rams can beat them if the Rams come out with the right game plan. And I just don't see a reason to just ignore the issues that you see. Sooner or later, Sean McVay has to break the tendencies. He has to open up instead of batting down the hatches and going with what doesn't work. When you're, when you're hurting, when, you're, when your team is down, you got to do the things to get them in position to win. I, you can't, it's, it's always an admirable that he's going to want to say, hey, we got to take care of this, we're going to fix this, etc., etc., etc. Well, after a while, all that talk is just talk. It becomes excuses. If it's been the same problem for four years now, sooner or later you got to fix it. You have to grow. And when you go back and look at film from last year, people will say, well, it's the same old Carolina plan, the, 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 uh, the same old, sorry, the New England, Detroit, Chicago plan. It's not. It threw different things at him today. But the same standard result was they just abandoned the run. The, the goal was always to make the Rams one-dimensional. Because they make mistakes when they are. Well, you know, what you're saying, Derek, and I, I totally agree. Uh, there are still a lot of positives to pull from this point of the season where we are at the break. Uh, relatively, we have a lot of the same guys who have been here all season. You know, uh, relative same receivers, uh, same O-line, uh, same defensive guys for the most part. And the younger guys have now have eight years experience and now they got to figure out how to make it down the stretch. All those things are positive. You got Aaron Donald who still lets you know every day, guys, I am still unblockable. If you literally try to block me with one person, I'm getting in every single time and he does it. So you have those things that speak to a defense that's actually getting a little bit better every week with the young guys that they're playing. And to your point, yeah, you have Jalen Ramsey, who, if for nothing else, his name alone makes a team think about, yeah, we're not going to throw on that side of the field. Okay. But the young guys who are replacing and playing, playing solid, making plays. I mean, Taylor Rapp came up on the third two and racked the guy, knocked it loose from him. And so I was like, okay, that was a pretty big hit. Uh, you know, Rap is coming up hitting. So he's doing what he's need to do now that he's kind of been back in there playing, playing solid. You know, uh, we got to figure out the whole field goal thing. I mean, the kicker's got to be able to be consistent uh, again 
you make that field goal, it closes the gap a little bit. We still probably have to score twice, but it's a different mood than, okay, it doesn't matter if we get out here, this dude is going to miss because we brought in a guy. So those things being a thing, I'm sure they'll get those things taken care of. You got eight games down the stretch, and you literally need to go four and four down the stretch. You're going to end up in the playoffs. I mean, they could be in a much worse situation. And there's still a lot of positives to take in the break. The defense, I think it's clear the Rams did just fine getting Staley as a defensive coordinator. I mean, the defense is not keeping them from winning football games. The defense is keeping them in games when the offense messes yes. up. And so that's a good hire. I think there's a lot of growth still to happen with that defense as well. The offense, there are still a lot of good pieces there, but I'm not so sure that McVeigh is using them well right now. And a lot of that comes down to being able to to go out your comfort, leave your comfort zone. I'm not yeah, sure. And, 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 and to your point, yeah, you know, I may sound like I get off golf a little bit. My thing is, by five years in the league and now this time in the season, you got to kind of know how to call a game to make your quarterback be solid and look good. You don't try to do things that maybe he can't do today or consistently. And it's shown that we have some solid backs. I just think they need to figure out which one and just let that back stay in there and go to work. This whole switcheroo, again, each back brings a little bit something different. I think it throws a line off the tempo off of the game and things like that because each back being different, you have to do different things to exploit their strengths. And that's the thing is just why aren't we taking the the strengths of our players and using them to make them work for us? That's kind of my my issue at this point. We we have some great players. They've shown that they can play. But it just doesn't seem like the plan overall is allowing them to excel. You can't have a, a Higby show out and look like he's going to be the MVP of the league one game and then you don't hear from him again. You can't have Gerald Everett look like, ooh, maybe it's him and you don't hear from him. So there's just something in the consistency uh, overall that just seems to get need to get tweaked. And we got eight games to figure it out. And I, I, you got to hope they will. And they better do it quickly. Two weeks. I got two weeks. And they have the Cardinals. The Cardinals are for real. All right. So there you go, folks. Tough loss today to watch. Unless you enjoy defense. The Rams defense today was phenomenal. And in that case, that's something to build on. You can find us on Twitter at DC Paul. Mike at 1 23. You can find us overall at Talk Rams. Don't forget to check out Budding Hands this week. We'll also have a special, special podcast planned. Been a while since we've done one of these. Just wait and see <laughs> with the bye week. Also, don't forget Ramstalk.net. Our writers do a really good job. We have some veterans there who have been around the block a little bit. So check it out. Make sure you find us anywhere podcasts can be found. Five-star reviews are always necessary and needed. It's time to go. We're out of here. Have a great one. Have a great one.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 